السلام علیکم و رحمۃ اللہ وبرکاتہ نحمد الکریم اما بعد فعود بلّہ من الشیطان الرجیم بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم ربش رحلی صدری ویسرلی امری وحل العقدم السانی یفقہ قولی اللہ مہدی قلبی وسدد لسانی وسر السخیم تقلبی امین یا رب العالمین Kitab al-Jana'is, the book of funerals. And so far, alhamdulillah, in this uh, chapter or in this book, we have learned about several things. Amongst them, first and foremost, we learned about the importance of saying the shahada at the time of death. There are a couple of important uh, things that I would like to uh, just review over here in sequence before we continue because the topic kind of changes now. We will be learning about ghusl. bathing the deceased, and then eventually the janazah prayer. So before we go into that, a few things with regards to uh, the time of death. So first of all, we learned at the beginning of this chapter, the hadith in which we learned that of the rights of a Muslim is that when he is sick, he should be visited, right? And there's a reason why Imam Bukhari brings this hadith over here, that before a person passes away, when a person is sick, Then when a person is near his death, then he should be visited, he should be prayed for. And then when he is close to his death, those people who are around him should encourage him to say the shahada. And even if a person is not a Muslim, if it's a non-believer, then invite him to Islam. Because we learn this from the way of the Prophet ﷺ, that even if a person was close to his death, and the Prophet ﷺ got to see that person at the time, he would invite him to at least say the kalima. Remember when a person passes away, when the death is certain, then the eyes of the deceased should be closed. And then the body and the face should be covered. The body and the face should not be just left exposed. No, it should be covered until the body can be washed and the janazah arrangements have been made. So sometimes it happens that a person passes away in the middle of the night sometimes at the beginning of the day. And of course, immediately, the body cannot be washed immediately. The funeral prayer cannot be performed. Several things have to be arranged before the janazah is to be performed. So until then, the body should not just be left exposed. It should be covered. And the face should also be covered. Part of covering the body is also covering the face. And then remember that at this time, it is permissible to kiss the deceased person also. Because we see that Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, when he came to see the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he kissed his face. Isn't it so? And we learn this from the way of the companions, that not just everybody, but someone close to you if they have passed away, are you allowed to kiss their hand? Are you allowed to kiss their forehead? Yes, you are allowed to do that. But of course, everything in moderation is best. And then we also learn from other ahadith that the janazah, the burial arrangements should not be delayed unnecessarily. should not be delayed unnecessarily. Meaning we should hasten to bury our dead. It's not appropriate to leave the body in the morgue just so that people from different parts of the world can come and attend the funeral prayer. And sometimes the body is left for a week, sometimes two weeks, just so that everybody can come. And this is disrespectful to the body because the body must be deposited in its final place and the sooner the better. And remember that when you do have someone, in fact, part of you know living anywhere is that you 
learn about how the final rites and rituals are to be performed for a person. So sometimes we think, oh, nobody is sick in our family. Nobody is near death in our family. Nobody is really old in our family. So how is janazah to be performed? The, all of these arrangements, we don't need to worry about them. No, death can come at any time to any person. So it is your responsibility to find out that if and when you die, what is to happen to your body? What are some things that need to be taken care of immediately? Which masjid, which place is the body going to be washed? Who is going to wash the body? And then how is the body supposed to be buried? Which graveyard? Where? How is that supposed to be done? Because you remember that the time of death is so stressful for the family. They're grief-stricken and then you know they're almost in a state of shock that it's difficult to handle all of these matters. So it's better to be well-equipped from before. So it is part of your homework for this class that you have to find out that when a person dies in a hospital, then what happens? How is the body supposed to be released? Who is it released to? In what manner is it released? Because one day we will be there. So it is your job. Find out. Check online. Check, call at the hospital and find out. When a person dies, then what happens? How is the body supposed to be released to the family? Then find out in your local masjid. Who is to wash the body? Where is it supposed to be washed? Inshallah, we will learn about the manner of washing. Find out where is the cemetery for Muslims over here? How much is the cost for it? Who takes care of the cost? So this is your homework. Three matters. Find out firstly about the death and the handing over of the body. Secondly, the washing. And thirdly, the burial in the graveyard. How are these three matters supposed to be handled? And something also very important related to this is the final will, the wasiyah. You know, many books of fiqh, when you study the issues related to janazah, kitabul janaiz, matters related to this particular issue, you will also find out chapter headings related to the final will, the wasiyah. In fact, this morning I was going through a book and I found it quite surprising that before going into the details of ghusl, they mentioned the importance of paying off the debts. The debts of the deceased. Meaning if a person has passed away, immediately what needs to be done is that the, the loans that they have taken, the debts that they have, should be returned. And then the wasiyah is to be made. So we need to be aware of this also, that when I die, where does my stuff go? Where does my property go? The money that I have or the things that I possess, where do they go? Where do I want them to go? Because remember that as a Muslim, you have a right to make a will concerning one-third of your property. You can give it to anyone except for your heirs. And then also find out who are going to be your heirs. Is it your parents? Is it your spouse? Is it your children? Who is supposed to inherit from you? This is your responsibility. Find out. This is, you see, ilm that is a faridah on us, an obligation upon us. You know, in hadith we learned that seeking knowledge is an obligation upon every Muslim man and woman, right? Which kind of knowledge is an obligation for you to learn? The knowledge that is going to directly impact you. So for example, if you are a parent, you should know what are your duties towards your children. And learning about those matters is fard for you. 
If you are engaging in some business, then you should know about the fiqh of what is lawful, what is not lawful in terms of business transactions. Right? You must learn that knowledge. We think the knowledge that is obligatory on us is just about how to pray, how to fast, and that's it. No. But living here, or living anywhere in fact, we should know about how our body is going to be taken care of after we die, and how our wealth is going to be distributed after we die. So do what is necessary, seek this knowledge, and do what is appropriate. Then we see that, so the janazah, the burial arrangements should be hastened, meaning they should not be delayed unnecessarily. And then, of course, the family, those who are present, the loved ones, they should say the istirja' inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi raji'un. And we also learn from some ahadith that we learned here that the death should be announced. It should be announced. First and foremost, the family should be informed. So for example, if some family members are not present, they should be informed about the death of their relative. And then secondly, in general, the Muslims should be, the Muslim community should be informed about the death of the individual. Why? Why should the death be announced? So that the deceased, if he owed any money to anybody, right? if there was some important wasiyah that they made or some kind of transaction that they were in, and that needs to be settled, you know, that proper arrangements can be made for that. What else? Why else is it necessary to announce the death? So that people can come and perform the janazah. Right? People should be informed about the death of a Muslim so that they can pray for him or her. So, because remember that it's the right of a Muslim that when he dies, then the janazah should be prayed for him. So then people should be informed about the death. So the death should be announced. Now, here we learned in one bab, bab number four, bab ar-rajul yan'a ila ahli al-mayyiti binafsihi, the person going himself to inform the relatives of the deceased about about the death of their relative. Here we did the first hadith. Now inshallah we will do the second hadith. Haddathana Abu Ma'mar, haddathana Abdul Warith, haddathana Ayyub, an Humayd ibn Hilalin, an Anas ibn Malikin, radiyallahu anhu, qala qala nabiyu sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Anas ibn Malik, radiyallahu anhu, reported that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, أَخَذَ الرَّايَةَ زَيْدٌ فَأُصِيبَ Zayd took the banner and usiba. He was struck. Meaning he was killed. ثُمَّ أَخَذَهَا جَعْفَرٌ فَأُصِيبَ So then Jarfar took the flag and then he was also killed. ثُمَّ أَخَذَهَا عَبْدُ اللَّهِ بْنُ رَوَاحَةَ فَأُصِيبَ Then Abdullah bin Rawaha took the flag, and he was also killed. وَإِنَّ عَيْنَيْ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ لَتَذْرِفَانِ Anas bin Malik said that the eyes of the Prophet ﷺ at this point were flowing with tears. تَذْرِفَانِ Both of his eyes were flowing with tears. ثُمَّ أَخَذَهَا Then he continued to say that then who took the flag? Khalid ibn al-Walid. Khalid bin Walid took the flag. Min ghayri imratin without being commanded to do so. Fafuti halahu and then he was given 
victory. What is this hadith talking about? This hadith is describing the mu'ta, the battle of mu'ta, where the Prophet ﷺ sent a huge group of Muslims, a huge army, to fight the Romans. And he did not participate himself in this battle. Rather, he sent many of his companions on this battle. And he appointed Zayd bin Haritha radiallahu anhu as the leader of this army. Who was Zayd bin Haritha radiallahu anhu? The one who was previously his adopted son. Right? And remember that with Surah Al-Ahzab, this concept of adopted son was abolished. So Zayd bin Haritha radiallahu anhu was the leader and the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam instructed them that if Zayd is killed, then Ja'far bin Abi Talib, you see the name? Ja'far ibn Abi Talib. He was the son of Abu Talib. What does it mean? Cousin of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So he was supposed to be the leader of the Muslims. And then he also said that if Ja'far dies, then Abdullah bin Rawaha should be the leader of the Muslims. Now this was very unusual. That first of all, he's appointing a leader. Then he's saying if he dies, then so and so. And if he dies, then so and so. Three people, the Prophet ﷺ appointed one by one. Why? Because this was a very uncertain battle. This was the first encounter with the Romans. And the Muslims really didn't know what to expect. And really, this was a very difficult battle because we see here the Prophet ﷺ in Medina was being informed of what was happening at Mu'tah. And it was as if the Prophet ﷺ could see what was happening and he was describing the events of the battle to the Sahaba. And then he said, Zayd has been killed. Now, this one, Ja'far, has been killed. And now, also, Abdullah has been killed. And at this point, the Prophet ﷺ began crying. He could not help it. The tears just started flowing down his eyes. And then what happened, you can imagine the state of the Muslims, if one by one their leaders have been killed, so what happened? Someone had to take initiative. So who stepped forward over there? Khalid bin Walid radiallahu anhu. And we learn over here that min ghayri imratin, without being commanded, meaning the Prophet ﷺ had not told him, right, that if Abdullah bin Rawaha dies, then you become the leader. No, he did not give any instruction regarding that. But Khalid bin Walid realized that somebody needed to take charge. And out of all the people present over there, who was most experienced and an expert in battle strategies? It was Khalid bin Walid. And so he came up with a way of basically tricking the Romans in the way that he made the Muslims attack in such a way that the Romans thought that this is new or more people coming into the Muslim army. So the Romans thought that the Muslim army was far bigger all right, now than initially. So basically, the battle kind of stopped. And this is how Khalid bin Walid brought the Muslims back to Medina. So here we see that the Prophet ﷺ was informing the companions about the death of these three Sahaba. Right? And this is why Imam Bukhari brings this hadith over here, that when a person dies, then their death should be announced. 
those who are close to them and those who love them should be informed about their death. This is not correct that somebody dies, right? Your brother in faith, your sister in faith passes away and their death is kept as a secret. No. This should not be a secret. People should be informed so that they can pray for them. Right? So the Prophet ﷺ did that himself. This hadith also shows the, proves the truthfulness of the Prophet ﷺ. I mean, how did he know in Medina about the events of the battle? Earlier we learned about the death of Najashi also. How did the Prophet ﷺ know about the death of Najashi? When he died in Abyssinia and he was in Medina and no traveler came. No messenger came. Right? No person came. So the Prophet ﷺ was informed of this through wahi. Bab al-idni bil janazah. Al-idn means permission. Alright? And adhan means announcement. So al-idni bil janazah. Idn over here gives the meaning of announcing. So earlier we learned announcing the death. And now we learn about announcing the funeral. What's the difference? Announcing the death, that is immediately after the person dies. Announcing the janazah, this is when the janazah prayer is to be performed. So al-idni bil janazah. وَقَالَ أَبُو رَافِعٍ عَنْ أَبِي هُرَيْرَةَ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ قَالَ قَالَ النَّبِيُّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ أَلَا آذَنْتُمُونِي Abu Rafi' reported from Abu Hurair that the Prophet said, Why did you not inform me? Here, Imam Bukhari is not bringing an entire hadith, but just a small excerpt of it. And this hadith is about the woman who used to clean the masjid. And remember that when she passed away, the people buried her. And then the Prophet inquired about where she was. And so the people told him that she died and they buried her. So the Prophet ﷺ said, Why did you not inform me? Why did you not tell me about the janazah also? I would have prayed for her also. You should have told me. So you see here, this is announcing the funeral. حدثنا محمد أخبرنا أبو معاوية عن أبي إسحاق الشيباني عن الشعبي عن ابن عباس رضي الله عنهما قال مات إنسان كان رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم يعوده. So Ibn Abbas is reporting that مات إنسان a man died a person died and who was this person who was this man كان رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم يعوده. The Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم used to visit him. And this is not just random visits. This is Ya'udu who is used for visiting a sick person. So when this man was sick, the Prophet ﷺ would come to visit him. Now when this man died, فَمَاتَ بِاللَّيْلِ This man died in the night. So what did the people do? فَدَفَنُوهُ لَيْلًا So they buried him in the night. They didn't wait for the day. فَلَمَّا أَصْبَحَ أَخْبَرُوهُ so when it was morning, the people informed the Prophet ﷺ that so-and-so died last night and we buried him already. فَقَالَ So he said, مَا مَنَعَكُمْ أَن تُعْلِمُونِي What prevented you from informing me? Meaning, why did you not tell me that he had died and that you were going to pray for him? Why didn't you tell me? قَالُوا They said, كَانَ اللَّيْلُ It was in the night. Or it was night time. فَكَرِهْنَا So we disliked to 
tell you in the night. وَكَانَتْ ظُلْمَةٌ And there was also darkness. It was a very dark night. So we did not want أَن نَشُقَّ عَلَيْكَ That we impose difficulty on you. We didn't want to put you in difficulty because he died in the night and we were going to bury him in the night and it was really dark. So we didn't want you to be in hardship. فَأَتَى قَبْرَهُ So the Prophet ﷺ went to his grave فَصَلَّى عَلَيْهِ And then he prayed over him. Who was this person? It was Talha ibn al-Bara رضي الله عنه And when he was ill, the Prophet ﷺ used to go to visit him. The Prophet ﷺ would go to visit his companion who was sick. But when he died, the people did not tell the Prophet ﷺ and they had their reasons as we see in this hadith. What do we learn from this part? That the Prophet ﷺ used to go to visit this man when he was sick. What do we learn? You see, كَانَ يَعُودُهُ doesn't just mean he visited him once. It means he used to visit him quite regularly. So visiting a sick person doesn't mean that we just go and show our face to them once. So that people know that yes, we visited them. Right? Everybody should be happy with me. No. كَانَ يَعُودُهُ includes repeatedly visiting the sick person. Not just once, but again and again. And really I think that given the number of ahadith we have learned about visiting the sick, so many times this has been mentioned. This should be a part of our daily or regular life. That every so often we should make time to go and visit someone who is sick. And I'm sure there is somebody in your family or in your community, someone that you know who is not well. So make sure you go visit them. At least once a week, once every two weeks. This is a duty upon us as Muslims to go visit people who are sick. Especially the elderly, those who have been sick for a very long time. And sometimes we become a little stingy in this. We say, oh, if we go to the hospital, then we have to park the car there and pay for parking. So I'll just wait for them to come home. Then I'll go to see them. No. Even if you're paying for parking, instead of paying for a lunch at some restaurant, that money is going for a good cause. Isn't it? Every penny you spend in the way of Allah to earn the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is worth it. So don't be stingy over there. Cut back on other things if you must. Go ahead. So she goes to do art operation in the hospital. So I went to visit her. So I speak with her mom. So the mom was, because the first time she was in the hospital, she was came from uh, back home and she stayed here. So that's the first time she was in the hospital. She was panicking. And she, when she find out she's operation, she stopped eating and she's fear of how it's going to be doing the operation. So the families, were, not so many people is there around here. And as you know, mentioned, it, a lot of people doesn't have time to go visit her. So I said, let me go to visit her. I went and speak with her and sit with her. You know, when you speak with someone, she's like alive. When you give them the sit, it should be okay. You give them things. You give them hope, it should be fine. 
she was so much appreciating of my five minutes visiting her and her daughter and everybody they said oh my mom stood, uh, messaged me she's feeling so well thanks for coming sometimes we have to realize not just for the sick person we going to visit her but the family it will be a lot of relief for them too yes. because they need support on this times right. sometimes we are so selfish we said okay sick but uh, it's from allah subhanahu wa ta'ala maybe she is sinner let's make a toba she will be fine but we we don't think about how much the support of for the family they said oh alhamdulillah my mom is now she was so good she was so thankful she say please tell her to come back again again i said i wish but i usually i work in the evening but inshallah i'll come but that's why we have to realize that part not just for the sick person for the family your great help to go and visit him very true jazakallahu khairan then we also see in this hadith about the permissibility of burying in the night there are other texts which prohibit burying in the night but in this hadith we see that the people buried this person in the night and the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam did not object uh, to the fact that that the burial was in the night but he objected to the fact that they did not inform him so remember that sometimes in the night it is difficult to bury the dead because of course with the darkness and the cold temperature also it may be difficult to bury the dead So when that is the case then it is not correct to bury the dead in the night. But if the night is not going to cause any difficulty meaning it's perfectly okay uh, convenient for people to bury in the night then that is also permissible. The main point is that the janaza funeral rites should be performed. So if the night time does not prevent the rites to be performed properly then then a person can be buried in the night but if burying in the night prevents people from performing the rites properly then they should wait till the morning then we see here that the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam asked uh, the people as to why they had not informed him and this is because he wanted to know about the death in time so that he could perform the janaza and he did not know he was not informed because he did not know the unseen right that this is the reason why he could not find out himself and we see that the companions on the other hand did not inform the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam of the death why because they did not want to put him in hardship they knew that he would come even in the middle of the night he would come to perform the janaza but they did not want that hardship for him this is why they did not inform him look at the respect that the companions had for rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam look at their courtesy their sensitivity that even though they were able to perform the janaza in the night they did not tell the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam because they did not want hardship for him what happens to us generally is that we want convenience for ourselves and hardship for others especially those in authority you know for example there could be a simple question that you have and to find the answer all you need to do is maybe type out the question and send an email to somebody who can give the answer or maybe do a small search or maybe open up a book isn't it just a little bit of effort we have to put in but we don't want to put that effort in So what do we do as soon as we see a teacher or a scholar right sitting 
eating. We will go and interrupt their food. They were they were teaching for like six hours. We don't care. Right? They're resting or they're eating. They're doing their adhkar after salah and we will go and disturb them there. And just we want that quick answer. Because we're too lazy to open a book ourselves. The Sahaba were the exact opposite. Exact opposite. They benefited a lot from the knowledge of the Prophet ﷺ. They asked him questions. They did. They invited him, right, to, to several occasions, to several things. But they also considered the convenience of the Prophet ﷺ. Basic courtesy. And this is something that we need to also show to people. Then we also see over here that the Prophet ﷺ, went to the grave of this person and he prayed janazah for him there, meaning he made dua for him. Sallah alayhi. In another narration we learn, and that is the narration of At-Tabarani, that the Prophet ﷺ went to the grave and some people were also with him and the people formed a row. The Prophet ﷺ raised his hands and he made dua for Talha, saying, Allahumma alqi Talhata yadhaku ilayka wa tadhaku ilayhi. That, oh Allah, meet Talha while he is laughing, right? And you are laughing. Meaning while he is happy with you and you are happy with him. So the Prophet ﷺ made dua for this companion at his grave. Also we learn from other ahadith that the Prophet ﷺ even prayed Salatul Janazah at the graveside, which is permissible. If a person dies and uh, you are not able to offer the funeral prayer for them in the masjid, then it is permissible for you to offer the prayer for them after the burial, close to the grave or by the grave, but of course not in a way that would create confusion for people. This hadith is the evidence, but also keep in mind that regular prayers, nafl prayer, zuhur prayer, asr prayer, you're not allowed to perform them in the graveyard. Because the Prophet he clearly forbade people from performing prayer in the graveyard. He said, all the earth is a mosque except for the graveyards and bathrooms. These two places, we don't pray. We don't pray in. But Salatul Janazah, yes, that can be performed in the graveyard. But if you do go to, let's say, a close relative passed away, right? you were not in town or you were in another country and now you go and you want to go visit the grave, when you go to the grave, can you make dua for them? Yes, of course, you can make dua to Allah for the person in the grave. 